and welcome to this episode of the Leadership Exchanged podcast with me, your host, Christopher Pietroni. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the University of Birmingham, where I'm Professor of Leadership Practice and Director of the Birmingham Leadership Institute. In this podcast, we ask whether we have the right kind of leadership to meet the challenges that we face, or whether we need to exchange current approaches or towards leadership for something new. In today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Lomas. Mark is currently the Head of Culture at Lloyd's of London, but Mark's led diversity and inclusion work across a whole range of sectors, including as Head of Equality, Diversity and Inclusion at HS2. Uh, for those who don't know, HS2 is one of the largest infrastructure projects in Europe, uh, involved in building high-speed rail between the south and the north of England. But Mark's also worked in the third sector, uh, he's worked at the BBC, he's worked uh, alongside the NHS and organisations like Arts Council England. So his range of experience in this area is, is really broad and uh, is going to make for what I'm sure is going to be a really rich conversation this afternoon. Welcome, Mark. Thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So you're at Lloyd's of London, and it might be helpful for you just for those who don't know, say a little bit about what Lloyd's does. But Lloyd's of course, has a history utterly impossible to disentangle from the legacy of empire and the um, transatlantic trade in enslaved Africans. Um, and that history kind of, you know, has only quite recently been considered. And I know that you've, you, you've said um, that you think it's really important to confront our history. And I just wonder how you see that in terms of problem awareness, because there might be people in the way that you describe who say, well, look, I get that this is our history, but that's not me and that's not part of it. So, so why do you think it matters to confront that sort of history, you know, as part of trying to really understand what it is that we're, we're trying to change? Yeah, I mean it's in, it's incredibly important because if you if you can't um, if you can't be open and transparent about your about the past, if you can't confront the issues of the past, then it is really hard to acknowledge the issues of of today, um, and what the uh, what the required solutions are. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean that um, that doesn't mean that that people are universally happy about that. You know, there's certainly uh, there's certainly sentiment that I've encountered. Like, you know, why are we why are we doing this? It was hundreds of years ago, that sort of thing. Or you're right, nothing to do with me. It's horrible, but I don't really want to know about it. So nothing to do with me. Um, and that is a minority of sentiment, but but it is. But you know, you do run across that sentiment. You know, um, but it is important for a few reasons. Um, number one. Um, if you're trying to build an, an inclusive future, an inclusive marketplace and, and a global marketplace, um, you, you have to start uh, with, with the reality. And that's, and that's hugely important because if you're hiding the reality in a, in a world where there's lots of information available, when you're trying to attract talent, um, they will see what you're portraying is different than the truth. And that is problematic. That leads to a that leads that immediately leads to a breakdown in trust. Um, 
the second part of that is there are um, there are so many interesting uh, sort of lessons to be learned about uh, how um, systemic a way of working and operating can can be, and unpicking all of that uh, takes a lot of takes a lot of time. There's all it's also very important to have the context behind it, because while um, certainly. Uh, some of the activities of people who are involved in were absolutely abhorrent by today's standards. Um, they weren't actually illegal in those times. So there is, um, there's, certainly, uh, there's certainly a need to provide the whole context um, and to look at things truthfully. And then I think really critically allow people to uh, respond to those findings, respond uh, to the data that you're pulling out, explain my own experience. You know, when I when I went into the Lloyd's building as, as part of you know, meeting the teams, you know, I, I personally found it odd. Yeah, you know, you're surrounded by all this this history, um, but the history isn't quite reflective of of, of what happened. Um, and so we put a lot of uh, of work into sort of uh, recurating uh, some of the displays in, in in the Lloyd's building and. Uh, again, you know, this research will result in, in a digital archive, um, a digital exhibition, sorry, so that uh, people can access um, the objects, their their history, the context, um, for as long as uh, for as long as needed. How have you dealt with, you know, because that's a kind of leadership task? How do we create the environments in which people are willing to be more honest, really, about the degree of change and challenge that we're facing? And that is, uh, it's, a, it's a great question. And leadership plays such an important role in moving the dial. That, uh, that setting of the kind of the psychological safety, um, you know, often comes from how uh, leaders interact with this subject. You know, even something like, you know, we, we need you to give us your diversity data. Um, you need to create, you know, you need to create the environment, a trusting environment for people to do that. Um, and you can't uh, just assume that people know why that data is in, important. Um, and so you really do need to be able to explain, you gave us this data, we introduced this policy. This is about making this organization better for you. And that you is applicable to whoever you are across this organization. Mm. So that's, that's very important. The role modeling is also very important uh, for, for leaders. And then on an organizational uh, basis, um, I, I think the kind of uh, trepidation over kind of diversity data um, is probably a little less than it was, mm -hmm. uh, primarily because people are more demanding of that data, of that transparency. Uh, and so you can't claim to be, you know, a wonderfully inclusive, diverse employer, but they'll go onto your website and they'll find out, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. They'll go to your LinkedIn, they'll find out. So, um, you know, uh, being able to marshal that data and publish that data, again, um, goes towards that kind of that trust factor, uh, which becomes incredibly important if you're trying to reach into communities that you haven't traditionally accessed. Uh, and so that is a leadership task to say that this is our soul. These are our values. Um, this is where we are. And this is and this is kind of where we want to get to and how we want to improve and honesty about that is incredibly important yeah. yeah over promising and not being able to deliver in this space um particularly 
is is probably the worst thing you can do because once that perception sets in that you are disingenuous, um, it is incredibly difficult to shift. Yeah. And I think one of the um, one of the leadership qualities uh, of a successful diversity professional, I think, has to be the ability to create those psychologically safe spaces for people, both to come and raise issues with you, uh, to talk about their uh, experience. Um, and the way you respond to that is extremely uh, is extremely important because you cannot fix everything immediately. Yeah, and, and that that point about you can't fix everything immediately, you know, goes also to the question of the sort of systemic nature of the challenge, right? So it was struck, Mark, as you were describing it, you, you were saying, well, you know, being transparent and being open and being honest is actually part of what builds the trust, particularly if you're trying to reach into either as, as customers or presumably as potential employees, communities that might not traditionally have seen you as a partner or an institution to, that you would want to be part of. So those two things kind of are, but then of course, if you do reach into those communities, you bring more people into the institution. On the one hand, that's great, that increases diversity, but of course, as we know, historically one of the problems has been people come into organizations and then discover that they're not able to progress because you know yes we might have dealt with recruitment but we haven't dealt with kind of promotion and internal culture so all of these things are deeply interconnected aren't they and that, that notion of creating a culture in the market and using those quasi-regulatory kind of tools at your disposal to to provide both carrot and stick um you know i wonder how similar that is in general terms to the kind of culture within an organization? Because I mean, your, your, your formal job title, I think at Lloyd's is head of culture, right? Yeah. And, right. you know, I'm sure both of us have been involved in more quotes, culture change um, programs than we would care to remember. And one of the things we know about most culture change programs is that they fail, right? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, there are plenty of business school case on, on that. And so, you know, I, so I'm, so I'm sort of curious about that part of this as well, right? Because I think the whole one of the big themes of, of, of what you've been talking about and we've been exploring is, you know, there are lots of things that you need to do. The sum total of which is one hopes a kind of systemic shift, right? Where the, the, the whole nature of the organization is different and therefore the outcomes are are different. And I'm I'm but but at the heart of culture change often you know we're asking people to really change the way that they see things right that we're doing a sort of mindset change a sort of perspective shift change and i wonder how you how you see the process of achieving that in a in an area like equality and diversity so yes there's there's carrot and stick but but what in your experience is is at the heart of enabling people to kind of see the world differently so they're making different choices when they're deciding how to how to act in any given moment in you know am i going to act in a more or less inclusive way is really down to a whole set of kind of internal decisions that i'm going to make in a flash right so how do, how do you get that sort of culture change so that people really are behaving differently or what help it is a long-term process right it's not something you do in 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 six months it's just not a, not achievable um but I'm a big believer in you change this, you change the system around people. So um, uh, a good example of, of that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a real believer in uh, the use of company values to help uh, nudge and change behaviors. Um, now, 
those values can't just be, you know, a picture on a wall. They need to be active. Um, they need to be lived every day. People need to be, people need to uh, be recognized for behaving in a way that's in line with, with the values. Um, and then, you know, if your values are representative of, of diversity, inclusion, or DNI is threaded within that, um, and you articulate that, you then have a framework for which uh, people understand this is, this is a means by which the organization operates. Mm -hmm. And you take that framework, and then you bake it into all the things that, that matter to people. You know, you bake it into the performance and, and pay uh, discussion. So it doesn't just become about what you did, but but how you did it. You know, you bake it into the informal and formal uh, recognition processes for people. Uh, so they so they want to do that. Um, you know, you you remind people with stats and facts and little conversation starters every every day when they turn on their computer or they walk past the plasma screen in the office. There are things about the values or what we're doing on diversity or sustainability or why it's important, why it's aligned with the company, uh, why it's aligned with sort of company strategy, et cetera. And so it's, uh, over a period of, of time, you set that expectation, you change the system around it, lots of nudge messaging and then formal and informal systems. Um, uh, over time, people understand uh, this is the way we do things around here. Mm. And when we reach that point, well, this is the way we do things around here. Then the culture's changed. Mm. Um, and, and that, from a leadership point of view, that does take bravery as well, because there will be leaders um, who won't want uh, to embody the values that are important or that will help you get to the outcomes you need. Um, and you know, I think um, uh, an HR, uh, an HRD, um, former boss of mine used to say, look, if you're if you're not up to it, but you are up for it, um, then we can help you. Uh, but if you're not up for it and you're not up to it, um, why are you still here? <laughs> and, I, and I think that's great. And sometimes you have to be brave. You can either change the people or sometimes you got to change the people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, that hard edge being really important. And it it um it it takes us to the kind of the place that I thought we might go last, actually, Mark, which is yeah. about sacrifice, right? Yeah. So, you know, um whilst I, I, I certainly believe it's true, and there's all sorts of both you know empirical evidence for this, but there's also a sort of values base which says more inclusion is better. Yeah. Right. You know, it's better because it might be better for our business, but it's also better because, frankly, it's just better. Um, but it seems to me that uh, you've touched on this. There are losses along the way. Now, sometimes, you know, that might be, well, I, you know, I don't see myself in this new institution. And so there might be a genuine loss in terms of loss of role or loss of job or so on. But it seems to me there are other sorts of losses as well, you know, certainly something that I've come across a lot is, you know, when even now, I think even with the greater awareness around these issues, many, as it were, people who would think of themselves as being right-minded, inclusive, and so on, being confronted with um, ways in which they have benefited from their own privilege, you know, somebody who looks like me and sounds like me and so on, being confronted with that is really quite hard because you're you have you're losing something you're losing a sense of your 
own sort of goodness, if you like, and and you can accommodate to that and see the world differently and and but think about being an ally and so on. But nevertheless, it is a loss. So there are all sorts of intangibles at work here, and I I'm very struck by the, you know, Ron Heifetz, who's a um, academic at, at Harvard that I I, I drawn a lot you know says people don't resist change they resist loss and so very often when we see resistance in organizational change or culture change it's because people are confronted with the things that they're going to have to give up in order to be different in the future so I'm just curious about your experience of this about you know if we think of sacrifice not just in the sort of hard end but also some of that softer internal kind of material and that feels like a real leadership space to me and and I don't know if we really develop our leaders to to be able to understand that they have to offer some leadership to help people go through those kinds of processes i mean i think it's a i think it's a, a great point and i'm uh my kind of experience of it i think is uh rooted in in the fact um you know worked with worked with a number of different companies different sectors this that and the other internationally um uh British culture has a great belief in fairness. <laughs> Whether or not things are, are fair at all is, is completely different. Um, and, uh, and this sort of uh, belief in meritocracy uh, is also very strong. Um, and therefore, you know, if, you, if you've been kind of indoctrinated is the wrong word, but, but I can't think of a better one at this point. If you've been indoctrinated to, to say that, you know, things are fair, it's a meritocracy, you get what you deserve, all you got to do is work hard and blah, 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 blah. Um, your belief is, I got there because I'm that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then if certain groups of people don't get there, the inevitable conclusion is, well, I know it's not polite to say it, but they must not be as good. Right. Um, and therefore, you get a diversity detriment, whereas... It's a pity model. Oh, they're not quite as good, so we're going to have to help them out. Um, that is very different from recognizing an intrinsic advantage. Mm. And it is explained, once that advantage is explained, then um, comes the feeling of loss. Mm. Uh, because um, what to uh, the disabled person or the woman or the LGBTQ person or the black person is a leveling of the playing field feels like a loss of entitlement to possibly another group. One of the questions that we ask all of our uh, podcast guests, Mark, is whose leadership inspires you and why? Someone in initially comes to, to mind, and, and, um, and for all you who are Manchester United fans out there, I apologise immediately. Um, so uh, Jurgen Klopp, um, for me, the, the Liverpool manager, um, embodies a, a type of, of leadership that I, I think is uh, I think is extremely uh, effective. Um, and, and why is that? Um, create, he, he creates a, a vision, a common vision. This is what we're aiming at. Um, he's able to uh, bring people with him and by that I mean not only his his players but uh, but the the supporters in the stadium the the, the city out outside it um and it's a very personal leadership brand and by that i mean um he is both uh, available um accessible um but still 
holds a very high standard. Uh, you know, and you talked about, you know, putting, making the line explicit. I think one of the things that I really admire about his sense of leadership is he makes the line explicit, but then helps people get to the line. Um, and I think for me, that's, um, uh, he's, he's a leader that I, that I admire very, very much. I think he, he does a, it does a great, uh, a great job in that. Mark, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to chat with you, I have to say. I, I think one of the things that strikes me about, you know, the sort of, <clears throat> the way that you approach these issues is that there's this really great combination I see anyway between a sort of what I think of as an outside in and an inside out kind of eye. So the outside in is how do we get the systems right, but the inside out is and how do we help people kind of do the do the inner work required to kind of accommodate themselves to the new systems as well. Um, and, and again, some wonderfully tangible examples of, of kind of some of the ways of doing that from these diverse sectors, which I found absolutely fascinating, but all the time. Again, the other thing I, I sense talking with you, Mark, there's this kind of matter of factness about the sort of non-negotiable <coughs> nature of this that there's a, you know it's not it's not <clears throat> at all um aggressive or or sort of um you know shouty it's just this is and this is the line and yeah. you know we, we you'd be really clear about it and and hold it and uh and just as you were closing there your last words i think about how we help people in our institutions to feel that level of clarity about mm -hmm. the line and the willingness to disagree well yeah. and to tolerate that it's such an important part of, of the work so thank you for for sharing your experience with us it's it's really much uh, appreciated thank you very much for for having me i really enjoyed the conversation great and and to our listeners thank you as always for for joining us and we hope you'll join us again next time all the details that we've discussed today will be available in the show notes. And as always, if you've enjoyed the episode and you like the podcast, do subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And if you want to stay up to date with the Leadership Exchange podcast, um, check out birmingham.ac.uk backslash leadership hyphen exchange. Thanks. Until next time.